There you go. There you go. You got You got You got to stop. That is, that is terrible. But well, oh, here we are. But well delivered. <laughs> Just by chance. Oh. So, uh, my friend, Mr. Dennis. It's another week, oh, another dollar, another beer, another uh, everything. Here we are. Another episode. Another episode. Oh Lord. I I'm yeah, aware that you have some uh, some tragic news in your life around uh, around the footballs. Um. Well, let me tell you. The other day, I rewatched the Lions game at a bar, and it was just yesterday, and it was on television, a repeat, and I was watching when the score was twenty-one-seven. And it was just miraculous that I happened to show up at this bar with the game on as a rerun when the score was 21-7 because they kicked a field goal and they made it 24-7, thus putting the game out of reach in a statistical angle perspective, perhaps, because nobody in the history of playoffs has ever come back from that level of a deficit. Hey, 24, 24 7, is, 24/7 is, is how much I work. So that's cool. Well, bingo. Right. And I, re- and I remember looking up at the screen and yelling and jumping for joy. And then I remembered the future. And in fact, it was a rerun. <laughs> and they were. I remembered the future. To lose it. Yes. It's, uh, it, to be a negative uh, storyline is. Lions suffer the worst meltdown in NFL playoff history. Cool. That's one way. Another way to put it is that uh, San Francisco 49 overcome a, a amazing Lions first half. Right. Uh, you know, you can spit it any way you want, but at the end of the day, I can go into some detail. Let me just say this, though. There were two drop passes in critical moments. There was a couple of bad throws in critical moments. There was a fumble that on the 20-yard line, which Oops. resulted in a score. There were enough mistakes on both teams that the one who had the fewer mistakes won the game, and that's the way anybody who was examining, researching, Bets, you know, like you know what the spread is and how it would happen. One of the statistics is that if the Lions didn't turn it over at all, and the 49ers turned it over twice, they were 100% certain of winning. Looking at right stat stats, but anyway, it was. I was screaming, jumping for joy, running around the house like a fool at halftime, and it was crushing. It was crushing. Sounds like a lot of people lost a lot of money. Uh, no. Well, I don't know about that. People in Michigan did, certainly. But the Lions were favored to lose by seven. Okay. And they covered that. They only lost by uh, by three, I believe. Um, but it was... It was it was the high. It was the highs and the lows of, of any game, wherever the ball would spin or would drop. I mean, except for those the, the drop pass. I mean, it was it was four four and two. They were threatening to score again. They were close enough that they could have kicked a field goal, 
And some would argue now that since the, the, they opted to pass, since that pass was dropped Oops. and they uh, lost the ball, and it was recovered, obviously, by the other team right then and there, it's easy to second-guess after the fact. Sure. Um, but uh, this is a fact, that if they would have kicked the field goal instead of going for it, it would have put the game out of reach. And on the other hand, Dan Campbell, the coach, who some call Dan Gamble, has been going 4-2, four 4-4 and two, four and four all season with great success. He wouldn't be where he is in the semifinal to get to the Super Bowl if he hadn't been knowing that his team is a four-down team and he can count on his guys. The quarterback, in fact, made the right pass. The guy dropped the ball. Why, he doesn't usually. Why wouldn't you do the let's seal the deal on this play? Because you may not trust your kicker. I, I, it, 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 it may be that on this, on this particular day outside in San Francisco with a, a, a near 50-yard kick, that's not a certainty. Okay, I didn't realize so that part. What's yeah. more likely, what's more likely is that Reynolds and Laporta can get open for a three-yard pass. That's very likely. Right. In fact, there's an, uh, an analyzer that they show when you're watching these games now that says analytics. Should they go for it? And in this case, for two of these, a 4-2 and two and a 4-4, four and four, the analytics said it's a toss-up. Oops. It's a toss-up. Yeah. So now it gets down to even the analytics. Well, when you hear people talk post-game who argue the point, Dan Campbell gave the game away by not kicking and instead taking the riskier move. Right. And statistically, the kicker makes most of his kicks. Not all, but most. Yeah. But there's conditions to consider. But the there's passes also, also the are most, mostly successful, too. Right? Um, Jared, under Jared Goff, and particularly with these receivers, particularly if it's only two or three yards, it's a two-step turnaround. Two-step turnaround. You know, I mean, boom. Uh, and that's what Reynolds did. And it he, he went, he went right... Right where it should have, perfectly thrown ball. So Campbell's trust in Goff was uh, was accurate. He threw the perfect pass, and his trust in Reynolds, not so much. Statistically, Reynolds probably catches he'll catch that pass, you know, ninety eight out of a hundred times. Jesus, okay. You know, you know, all things considered, forty nine out of fifty. Um, Ooh, 49. Uh, whatever. And it's not to say that would have won the game, but then they got four downs to go 30 yards, then kick a field goal if they're close, if they can't get it in. But they've been getting it in all day, so to speak. So I could go on. It's I heard a guy on the radio say he's not watching the he's not watching the uh, Super Bowl coming up on the 11th. He said because it's it's like being in you know. Losing his his perfect girlfriend who was a model and everything he ever wanted in a woman and she left him and then and then she left him but she invited him to her wedding. Right. He said, No, I'm not <laughs> no. I can't watch the game. Uh, it's too painful. Poor guy. It's too painful. But you're gonna watch. 
even though there's no Bills or uh, well, I, my third my third favorite team in the NFL is Kansas City Chiefs, okay. and the fact that they beat my tied for first place favorite team, the Buffalo Bills, was enough for me to say fuck them. I'm not watching the game for about the first week. And then I'm thinking about my brother in Kansas City, and he's all happy and cheering. Yeah. He, you know, and so it's his team. I'll cheer for his team. I don't want the 49ers to win now. The, I don't want the guys who beat us to win, even though, on the record, that looks better. Right, exactly. Well, they didn't, you know, they didn't win, but they lost to the team that won exactly. it all. So, yes, I mean, that's always they won to the best yeah. team. Nah, fuck that. And, and this is what I know. 49ers are going to lose. They're going to lose. I would. I don't know what the spread is, but okay. I would. You bet. heard it here, folks. Yeah. Uh, okay. That is all there is from the I, sports. I, I have desk. a question. I have a question. Are the Chiefs from yes. Kansas or Missouri? Uh, Kansas City is in both states. I know. They're from Kansas City. Right. That was my question. Where? And your question, you, you said what state? Yeah. Which said, which which yeah, Kansas City? No, no, no. There's not two Kansas cities. There's one Kansas City okay. that has a line of the state going right in the middle of it. Okay. But. There are two Kansas okay, cities. Okay. But for sure. Uh. Boy, first of all, what a bureaucratic nightmare that must be. Uh, but uh, the stadium must be in one state or the other. Yes, and it's downtown Kansas City. I believe the line demarcating the two states runs directly at the 50-yard line right through the middle of the field. Such a <laughs> diplomatic answer. Uh, that's so beautiful. Just, I'm, I'm going so to put this in the show question. notes. Because this is such a stupid question that I came up with. Well, uh, actually, here's the case. The the office is in the Missouri side and the stadium is in the Kansas side. Half of the team members own property in Missouri. Half of the other team members own property in uh, in, uh, in Kansas. Okay. So it's it's amazing. Good. But it's perfect. It's it's perfectly split. It's you'd think. Half the city would be called Missouri City, right? Oh, no, I wouldn't think that, but this is what I think. I think that Kansas City Chiefs declared their home state the one with the lower tax rate. There you go. That's, that's Their address... That's the way... Their legal address yes. is, in a, is on a street. Unless that street... Chief Street... Chief Street. Yes. Okay. Sure. All right. Cool. 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 Well, look it up in your spare time. Oh, I will uh, in my in my large swaths of vacuous. Spare so time. let's uh, let's jump into episode three. I mean, uh, I think we have to. Our latest favorite series, True Detective, season four, episode three. Let's go. So. Uh, night, uh, what is it called? Night Country. Yeah. Night Country, yes. Is the name for the, for the season, yes. I have some thoughts. I'm sure you do too. 
and that's what we're here for, to share thoughts. Uh, the yes, at lightning lightning speed. <laughs> well, <laughs> I thought that no, uh, the the opening sequence was it was really interesting. The the sort of flashback where Navarro goes and uh, and goes to arrest go, goes and finds Annie, the later murdered woman, uh, giving birth uh, and attending a attending attending a birth. Yeah, okay, uh, and like. I remember hearing from the from the creator of this of this season how they wanted to have women be in the forefront and not so much not so much men. And is there anything more uh, feminine women getting together to help each other than like midwives at a birth? Like yeah. that's it yeah. was so. Uh, so incredibly f- unexpected. It, it was. It was. It was. It was just so uh, feminine in a way that you normally don't see on television. Uh, and the the little bit of suspense there, where like the baby wasn't crying, was was beautiful as well because it like tugged at your, at your heartstrings uh, to like. Fragil- the fragility of life. Indeed, exactly. Indeed, uh, and the miracle, the miracle of birthing. The fragility and the miracle. And the, and the way they looked at her, with some suspicion, and the way she became self-conscious, uh, kind of you know taking her hat off right. and patting her hair, and and then they just looked at her and said, "Join us," and she just did it. Yes, you know, yeah. That, that, that well, was and that, that that was very smart on the screenwriter's part because it set up the the kind of the heart falling other parts of the story where if that you know created in you a tenderness, okay, that tenderness was about to be assaulted, you know, <laughs> and it was. It was assaulted in the hospital with Lund. With Professor Lund, Doctor Lund, yes, who was finally established as what you and I had considered a kind of a missing link or a little—it was not clear last episode. I—I I don't think I don't think well, we're stupid. I think it, it was just not clear. It was—it was the second episode, which they opened almost opened within the hospital, right? And the idea of an amputation, which. They, it, it, it was, it, the guess was, and we said, I, whether I said it to you or I said it to somebody, I wonder if it was the guy whose arm they broke off. Cause yeah, they were talking yeah, about yeah, we talked about that. An amputation, but they didn't say it, except she must have said something to make me think that. Here's the question for you. Did, they, did the writers and the director do that 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 glimmer without clarity purpose I think so it, I think I think that was given their uh, the, 
look, the whole way of telling a mystery is that you give little glimpses and then they pay right. off eventually. But that was particularly egregious, in my opinion, because they... Egregious is... You don't... It, you must not like... Because they gave no... They gave no information that that was that person. Uh, so so here's here's the way I think of it is there were there were two connected scenes that were separated by episodes and one led to the other and now in hindsight when you put those two scenes together they make sense one scene was the ending shot right. of 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 episode 1 I believe when the corpsicle moved that was scene one. Scene two was in the hospital. But no, there were three scenes. Three scenes. One breaking off his arm. Yeah. Two, the corpsicle moving. Well, was... And three, somebody's in the hospital. Here's the question. Did only Lund move in the in the shot? I feel like I, I feel like they so. all did. I feel like they were all shouting. Was it him moving and his movement caused them to move? There was someone moaning. And we're to believe that this was someone who, according to other evidence that she discovered, had been dead for days, or had at least left the house for days I, uh, because the clothes were stinky, the food was rotting. Yeah, I agree. This is a uh, this is a weird sort of plot hole, um, and but I don't think it's a plot hole, I, unless you could call it a purposeful plot hole. I think what they were trying to do was for us to say for two full episodes what we did, which was after one thing, which was the moving corpsicle, we said, what the fuck? Because they didn't go back to it. Right. We didn't know whether it was real. She imagined it. It was some kind of fabrication. We went, what the fuck is that? Then when they were in the hospital in that other scene, we both looked at the TV and looked at whoever was in the room and said, what? Who? What? Where? Who was that? Yeah, right. So that got us talking about it. So it wasn't a plot hole. Let's say it was an interesting plot strategy or an interesting plot twist. Uh, yeah, yeah, twist would be... Twistish would be usually you thought this would happen and that would happen. This was devoid of that. This a was plot, this was less like a plot knot. A yeah. Plot knot. A plot ploy. Plot plot ploy. A ploy. Ploy. Yes. A ploy in the narrative. The narrative was designed for to to make you feel a way, not to necessarily at that point further the further the story. These were a couple of unsettling missing pieces that they put together in, in now. They're halfway through their season. So as I think my communications have made uh, clear. I'll check that. What? I'll check that. I, I, uh, I went back and watched the second half of the first uh, season. The because like apparently a couple of years ago I had gone back and watched the first half and so like uh, HBO was was all like okay this is where you are and boy that is some amazing television like we're we're aware that that 
True Detective season one was uh, groundbreaking television and and gripping in a way that's uh, that really got our attention. But that said, uh, boy, the last episode of season one is is just shit. It's just not fulfilling at all. It's and 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 widely panned for that exact reason. Because in, in the in the in the, the penultimate I, episode, they 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 get the killer exquisite. and they get and and they get one of them gets shot or whatever, and or hurt, and then the final episode is just like them in the hospital. It's it's a postscript. Yeah, it's and like, my theory is that they ran out of episodes and didn't know what to do. And took what I think is a shortcut, lazy way out. Somebody had to come in and tell those writers, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to, we don't have time to continue this trajectory. We don't have the time to, uh, in one episode, to go any further into the story. We have to, we're done with the story Right of the the molesters and the and the killings, we're done with that. We're now, we're done with that, and we're just going to jump to the future when they get back together again, in a way that is not credible. Yeah, not credible. Which is such a shame because it's such, like, uh, such a beautiful work of art, and then they fuck it up at the at the end. Uh, so what is the scene? Is the scene that I saw across my feed the other day is the scene where uh, Rust and um, oh, what's the uh, main character's name? Yeah, Woody. Woody's Woody's guy's name. What was his name? Um, that he's talking to him and comforting Rust, who's in a hospital gown and crying and crying. It was a powerful scene, and I later thought that must be in the last episode. It was very moving and well done. Maybe that was the centerpiece of it that, that I that was somehow lost in the in the the full the fullness of the of the impoverished writing of the last episode. One good scene does not a good episode make. Yeah. Particularly the concluding episodes. Yeah. Uh, Woody's character was uh, Marty Hart. Marty, Marty, Marty. Yes. Uh, so uh, anyway, I went. I went back to like see if I could learn something that would be interesting related to this season, and there's really nothing apart from the spiral. Not much more than the, what. There's just what the spiral. Now I understand the spiral is in the reverse way, in the reverse turn. Oh, interesting. So the one in the fourth episode is a mirror image of the one in the first episode. Did you catch that? Of this season? Season four, Swirl, little curly Q yeah. Swirl, the subject of tattoos and paintings on the roof of a certain trailer, it goes in the opposite direction than season one. So it's the mirror image of it. That I could not confirm nor deny that, but that could could be, like the 
the photo that they used that the tattoo artist in season four used was taken in a mirror, which is I think interesting. Which which would be which would reverse it. because if it wasn't taken in a mirror, when you look at it right. it would appear to be in the same direction. Right. So So they went to some length. To make sure that it, that it was always in the raw, in the other my, direction. My bet, my bet is that the spiral is not going to resolve into anything at all. Oh, I think you're dead I, wrong. I, I really hope that I'm wrong. I, think I you're really dead wrong. want the Look, spiral to be You're wrong. Thing. Let me tell you why you're wrong. The old woman, the yeah. old woman who I had wrong yeah. as actor. What did she say? It's she older said, than Innis. This, yes. Older than the snow. No. Older than the ice. Yes. Oh, yes, older than ice. And you recall uh, Russ' dad, Travis Cole, yes. right, is linked with that part of the world, right, which is older than ice. These the are these are these are not these are not breadcrumbs. Boy, like this but is, this is moving. This is moving toward the fucking yellow camp. But got like I, that that's what was so disappointing about season one is that they left so much on the table, and maybe that was on purpose to have other seasons. But no. But I feel no, like that was a mistake. I feel like that was a mistake, and I and I'm and I'm concerned that things might be left unresolved here, in a. Way that is not uh, satisfying, but we will. Well, we will it's know a soon. different set of writers. It's a different set of writers, and one would imagine that since Jodie Foster is actually an executive producer, that bad writing, like what you're describing, will not get past her, like it apparently got past two executive producers from season one, who are the same executive producers. Harrelson's not in this uh, in this production, but uh, he's a producer. Uh, Matthew McConaughey. He's is he he's a producer? Listed, yeah. Well, and so is uh, so is Matthew, yes. as you know. Um, but my point is not about them because they let, for whatever rationale or whatever reason, they let that last episode happen. Jodie Foster would not let that happen, and she wouldn't let it happen. She's executive producer. She's got control over that. But so did they. Yes, but they don't have her talent. Okay, okay. I'll give you that. Right? Sure. Or, or, or let me go this way. They don't have her skill, her skills, uh, and which, you know, talents, you know, oh, same, same, I sure. suppose. Uh, I, talents are not skills, but skills can be called talent. Whoa, man. Definition. Uh, so, I've, small circle, big circle. Time is a flat circle. Talents, skills. Talent Talents, is a flat circle. Skills. Uh, yes. Uh, I wish I could see you, but you're frozen from a while back. But whatever. Really? Yeah. Now? No, you're still frozen. Uh, but that's okay. Last time this happened, uh, towards the end of an episode, like your video was still there. And, the sound continued fine, and, and the video was fine recorded. But uh, so, really, I have some some notes. Transmission issue then. I have some notes that I took 
uh, on my second rewatch of this. Uh, oh my! Of this episode. Oh my! Notes. Notes. Aren't you a busy little boy? Yes. So, uh, very interestingly, uh, the case that binds Navarro and Danvers was the Wheeler case, where it was a murder-suicide, where it was this bastard that was beating his wife and they came up so called and and they came upon him and his wife was dead uh and but he wasn't and they both had guns raised and then the story is that uh it was a murder suicide so yes one of them one of them shot it danvers did well one of them shot him well, I'm. Uh, no, no, no. Now, you're right. Yes, you're right. I'm not wrong about this. Danvers, the one who shot. I, I feel like Navarro might might kill a dude. Might kill an abuser. But but so so would Danvers. I don't know. Uh, the reason I say it too was their their positions in the room. The final scene of that particular little right. The final shot of that particular scene. Had her she's on his side, front, front and yeah. center, and Navarro was a bit in the background. I think the intention was for them to, for us to assume that it was Danvers who shot him. It was Danvers who was lying. Maybe she was lying to cover up for Navarro. I didn't get that sense. Yeah. Okay. Now that you say it, I feel like Navarro might hold that against her because Navarro f- kind of feels more. Uh, like pure ethics and Danvers is more fuck it I've seen everything let's just deal with the world uh, okay. so and what was he singing remember what he was whistling he just twist and shout oh f- no really yes I'm, when they came in I, I remember he was whistling dead woman he whistled and- something but it just That's what he was whistling. And that's whistling, <laughs> smiling and whistling at the same okay. time. Okay, uh, and you recall uh, <coughs> the prominence of that. Yes, of course. In the, uh, in the, uh, in the in the lab and the first and, scene. Yeah, yeah, the very first scene. The first yeah. scene. The very first scene. Uh, so that was one of my notes. Uh, the next is that apparently. Uh, prior. Uh, Denver's uh, friend uh, told Denver's that he fell on his face on the ice, and like she was like, "You're a good, such a good skater. Skater, why would you, why would you get this like injury on your face from falling on the ice?" Because he wanted to hide the fact that his father had smacked him, uh, which is hit interesting. Yes. Did he hit him with a gun? No, just his hand. His hand. Uh, and the the biggest question of this of this entire episode, in my opinion, is who threw the orange back? Navarro's out in the middle of. I know who threw who? it back. Travis. Travis, the dead guy. Yeah. Cool. 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 
but they what a what an interesting like creative uh plot point to like let's how could we make this the most creepy well let's have her a couple scenes ago uh have picked up an orange and then be out in the middle of nowhere and then just out of frustration i guess throw the orange into the into the void do you know why she threw the orange uh, tell me. It was frozen. She couldn't eat it anymore. She squeezed it, and it was so hard that it was... It became a stone. That's... When I saw the oranges at first, I was like, why would you have fresh fruit on the ice? Uh, because... On the ice? Um, she didn't get it in the ice. Well... She was inside. No, no, no. Uh, it was... It was... the The hillbilly boys were like collecting stuff to go out and they were had a bunch of oranges and one of them dropped one of them oh 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 oh, oh and, right well it's but like and your question is why would you take an orange for sustenance when you're out searching in ice cold weather I, I guess her mistake was putting it in her pocket I don't know I wanted a froze there yeah so I don't know if I'm right about this frozen thing I just thought of it and I thought I wonder if that's it because well, why else would she throw a perfectly good orange? I mean, I think she was just and the answer is the answer is so that so that an unknown force could throw it back. Right. That's the answer. Right. But these kinds of things with the plot, I mean, you won't when when we think about the writing and the and the, the screenplay and all of all the things that we've tracked over the years, um, you didn't see. We never found in succession. A plot hole. We we saw it in we saw it in The Last of Us. We saw it in um, Big Time in the in the, Your Honor, right. which was the worst, the worst stupid stuff. I, I, I still talk about in the Your Honor him trying to hide the fact that his son was the murderer by stuffing his clothes and books in a small <laughs> a small little wood burning stove. Right. As if somehow they were going to burn up clean. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh God. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah. And right. so, I think that's the. That's. They're going to leave that unanswered. We're never going to know who threw the orange back. Uh, no, that's not true. No. Right. Well, nope. Okay. Nope. This 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 series last episode is going to be a the conclusion where they go back and they talk of about supernatural of a supernatural journey that was never concluded in season 1 which is picked up picked up completely in in season 4 and it will be resolved under the tutelage of the the new writers and their new executive producer and star, Jody Foster. Boy, you're mark my words. You're so optimistic. I, you're, I, I love that about you. Um, great. Uh, the w and the next thing I loved about the episode was that they, uh, Danvers and Navarro, 
when they when they did their montage of putting the photos together and and you know pulling stuff in the circle in the again. circle. Um, I loved that that they made progress based on how long it takes hair dye to fade and how beautifully feminine that is like that's not a thing that that men detectives would figure out right uh, that's to- yeah that's totally right. uh, a thing that 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 women would 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 know about um, yes and I thought that was cool uh, and next the uh, when Denvers asks Navarro what do you do when you're lonely she says I watch Netflix I pray. Oh. and I thought damn you actually named your competitor on like you're, you're on, HBO. on HBO and you're like Netflix is what I do when I'm bored it's just like I would that that was like whoa funny that wasn't next yeah brand placement right exactly brand placement they probably got a million dollars for saying that think about that they wouldn't get any money from their host yeah sure maybe so uh and then there was the and then it was like no but but really and and she was like well i i pray and and denver's laughed and says you mean you talk to god and she's like no i listen which, which uh-huh. is like creepy and mysterious, but you know, whatever. What do you, what do you uh, well, hear? I don't know about creepy. I think it's, I think it's a brilliant uh, response. Uh, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a shut the fuck up response for sure. Uh, uh, I don't think it was a shut the fuck up response. I think that she's so aware and historically aware of. Danvers spikiness and bullshit that all the nasty shit that Danvers says just bounces off her like water off a duck's back. Sure, I mean, sure. She is not she is not affected by Danvers, you know, continual uh, hooey gooey, you know, uh, Indian, you know, spiritual is it one of your spirits talking right. to you? She doesn't phase her at all. She barely, she barely, she barely gives her a, she barely gives her a look half the time. Right. Yep. For sure. For sure. So, what's interesting about uh, Navarro in this relationship thing is that what I haven't pieced together yet is the their discussion of why Navarro left and when she left was that it happened in an amicable way that she encouraged her she decided to apply and it was it was laid out as what sounded like a, a you know a, 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 a friendly uh, workable thing which now we know that that happened lo- probably obviously sometime but maybe a long time after the the uh, conjectured Murder of a of a of a of a uh, murder alleged murder uh, by Danvers. That was the upsetting event. It wasn't right. her move or anything. They left on amicable terms, and it was only after that move that this idea that Danvers hated her became clearer or clear 
because it's clear now, and when they, somebody says, Pete said, you know, but you, while well, you're working with Navarro, you hate Navarro, and she said, I hate everybody, right. especially you right now. Yes. You know, and, and so the, that's not quite that's not quite set square yet for me. Yeah, I don't know. I you say amicable. I'm not sure that's. I think they had their struggle after. Let's say you're right, that. and uh, and Navarro watched Danvers kill a guy. Uh, and but and it was never right after that and it was never right after that and but right enough that the transfer thing was something that seemed reasonable and she did it and only in hindsight was referring to it as you fucking got rid of me Danvers manipulated her well enough to for her not to think at the time that it was manipulation or her getting rid of her yeah and she must, she must, I think she must have hated her without letting her completely know it until afterwards. I, yeah, okay, I guess. Do you think they were lovers? I do not. Because they told us in episode three. With the, with the, with the beans, that, yeah. That, Nav, that Navarro was at least, had been bisexual. I don't. I, I did love the, in their... Uh, what's the right question scene uh, where where uh, Danvers claimed that like no one around here knows that I'm fucking this guy and and Navarro's like <laughs> everybody knows and and it, and that I'm what that that, that, that the that, affair with Ted yeah and 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 Navarro was like everybody knows come on Everybody and, knows that, and she looked. And and yeah. and what I loved about that was was how that gave them the impulse to then be like, okay, so someone must have known about this relationship, and and that like furthered the plot, uh, uh the furthered the investigation of, okay, you can't possibly keep a, a love affair secret, uh, which which was lovely. Um, and and so I'm not quite following your. What's that the precursor of? No no no. The, 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 then they then they went back to the photos and they were like, wait a minute, someone must have known about this. And that was when they figured out, oh, some of these photos were taken by someone that wasn't the couple. And you can't keep it. Yes. Uh, and and and, and then and then they went secret. to the hair dye and they found the the hairdresser that like knew and that explained how how right. they met. Uh, how did that scene end with her in the interview? Uh, the the hairdresser explained that yeah uh, that Annie came and and met with uh, and started hanging out with uh, Clark, Clark uh, a lot and and that it just sort of and she too was hanging out with who she one of the scientists uh, no she was with a guy that uh oh, the, oh, oh, oh mecha- a mechanic the un unkirk or whatever his name was that that they then go and and find out in the in the ice uh she she right. was she was dating some other guy that uh oliver 
something that uh, that's Ooh, the other the other scene that I loved was uh, this Oliver guy uh, prior the uh, the young guy looked into him and like there were no records there was nothing but uh, but Navarro with her with her uh, with her native contacts was able to to find this guy and she was like uh, not everything's in the computer freshman or whatever uh, uh-huh. which was cute uh, yeah uh, it's interesting too the um, uh, Pete's father uh, Pete what's his yes. name um, uh, uh, Pete's dad yeah the, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, whatever his name is he's a good actor from um that western that I can never remember the name <laughs> but his character and his wild apparently wild recruitment of his hillbilly friends yes. and how Danvers could not seem to get control of that and then the scene when Navarro no 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 Danvers throws coffee in his face yes. it was coffee Hank Pryor. Couldn't have been caught. The actor's name is John Hawks. Yes. Um, that tension and her inability, it, it's, it, it, it seems reasonable because in these small towns, <clears throat> you don't have a lot of potential for recruitment. It explains why both the father and the son work in the same department. Sure. He doesn't work for his dad, so nepotism doesn't necessarily apply in a loose setting. Some places wouldn't allow that. Right. They wouldn't allow that. They have to be separated by divisions or something. But when you've only got three people in your police force, <laughs> like they do, you know, that's it. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, that, I'm, I'm, that scene led to one of my favorite lines of this of this whole episode where uh, where his his retort is yeah well I might report you for being for playing Mrs. Robinson with my son and that prompted and, 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 then the, and then the son goes who's Mrs. Robinson <laughs> which I thought was adorable and so what did that tell you what was your conclusion on that about the history. No, I don't think I don't think there's he's implying anything at all. It's just it's just that you have total control over this. You a 60-year-old uh woman have total control over this uh 25-year-old. She accusing she he was accusing her of being so sluttish and horrible right, that that that's what she was doing with her son was playing Mrs. Robinson, right. which made her so angry she threw the it couldn't have been coffee no i think it had to be tea because it wasn't it, it was it was clear when he wiped it off i don't know uh it was water probably well i mean most of most of the cups in, in tv shows are all empty anyway so i've been checking that ever since you said that i saw a scene in uh your un your your late gonna get a d minus homework of catching up on the mayor of Kingstown. There's a scene in Mayor of Kingstown where they have uh, stuff in their cups. I'm sure of it. You could absolutely tell by the by the way they were holding it. Okay. So it's not. It's it's mostly though. It's sort of like suitcases too. 
suitcases are empty, bags are empty, and people carry them like they're empty, which is not right. good. So the other the other thing that'll break your mind about watching television and movies is realizing that when actors walk into an elevator and the doors close they they have to they, they cut and they open the doors again and the actors come back out because it's not actually an elevator uh, like the the, the the fake elevator doors on on sets are are kind of humorous to me because did you hear the uh didn't Bill Hader have a funny story about Schwarzenegger? Oh yes, that his job. What was his job was to open and close yes. the doors? Yes, exactly. There's a bomb in there. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> but similarly, anytime you like, especially in like hospital dramas and stuff, people go into elevators and and then they cut to being in the elevator and then the doors open and they're on another in another place, but. You know that the actors that walked into that little room, uh, then they had to open the doors so the actors could come back out, and then they went to another another set and to come back out another door. Anyway, uh, the let's see, my final note uh, on this episode. Man, you you are this is admirable. I've, I've, I've taken. You were earning you're earning your penny a day this week. Exactly. Uh, you earned your seven cents. So. When, uh, damn it, not Hank, uh, Pryor, Pete, when Pete Pryor, uh, goes home and, boy, haven't we all done this? You're trying to get into bed. It's late, yeah. it's late at night. Your wife's, your wife's <laughs> yeah. asleep. You, you don't want her to realize how late you're coming to bed. And and what do you do? And, and you knock over a bunch knock of over. shit. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and, it's very, very well done. And, that that relationship, as you mentioned, it is not portrayed in never. a very romantic nor sexual. It it it's it's almost like they're barely friends. Yeah, in the scenes and and. She seems to be pissed off all the time, True. for what apparently is probably pretty pretty good reasons, but typical reasons for people work in a profession like that, um, that they're never there and they're called on a dime. And the great scene when she says that, and then the phone rings, and he knows he's got to get it, and she's looking at him like, I, 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 and case closed. How many how many thousands of times have we seen? that scene in a movie where where the where the lover is like look you i'm focus on me not your boss and then the phone rings and the person just has to fucking take it uh he he says you know you married a cop and she's like well i just married a goofy boy that was going to be a cop but um an idiot a goofy yes, idiot but uh Maybe I don't want to be an idiot. Yeah, it was very good. Uh, and how? What an interesting uh, dynamic that is, where your uh, your profession overrules is is the primary 
reason for your existence. Like you can never have a relationship with someone that is more important than because if you're a cop, you know, maybe the phone call is that someone is dying or maybe you're a doctor or you're a, right. Uh, right. or whatever. And right. the, uh, and I love uh, media that investigates that relationship and that what is it like to be married to someone like that? Um, for sure, uh, I uh, I wish my wife paid less attention to her work phone than she does. Uh, and I and yeah, I, I I suffered I suffered from that type of and I and, for seven and years. I try and I try not I try not to jump at every notification that I get but uh, depending on your on your job uh, sometimes like in my job like oh there's a server down let's go reboot it or whatever but in other in other jobs like people are fucking dying uh and that's such an interesting dynamic tension tension well the the there's tension if you think of it there's tension in every single relationship that we've seen in this series every single relationship there's tension sure. none of them are smooth sailing i mean quavak is that his name? Quavak and uh, Navarro, yep. uh, Danvers and Ted. Um, her, uh, although the one that isn't like that, I, I misspoke. Uh, Danvers' daughter. I wish I had a name. Yeah. And her uh, girlfriend. They seem. They seem that's pretty a very, sympathetic. Yeah. That's happy. Yep. There's no tension there yet. I add yet. But, but true, true, true. That it's... Yeah. I mean, if you're writing a drama, you're like, you, you need attention in all, in all the relationships. But uh, I... So I... The, the, uh, the, other, the other thing that I, that I remember, uh, not a note, was how Denver said, uh, yeah, um... I'm on Tinder. I have. I'm. I'm. I'm open to going to f- fuck people in in Fairbanks, <laughs> which is just yeah. like okay. What? A, but, interesting. Interesting. But, but also, what a like if that was a if that was a man saying that it would just be like yeah sure whatever, but uh, I don't know. It's it's the it's the writers trying to highlight I don't know to empower women to be like yeah we can we can go fuck people whenever we want I don't know yeah I I'm I wait with bated breath I I change the quick subject is on the way out the door yes. here um, so I've been searching for another uh, series. Yes. Because this one is is great, but it's the only one I'm following right now, waiting for Mayor of Kingstown to f- finish their 
third season shoot, which will take a while. I, I, I looked into that. I could I could not find it. It's a, only available on like Paramount Plus, which is the only streaming service I don't have. Oh, so that's too bad. Um, but I was searching, and uh, I was thinking about going back to season one of True Detective. But I've seen so many pieces of it. Eh, eh. And then I thought, good. you know what? I've never watched all of The Sopranos. Four seasons, 13 episodes apiece. I'm on episode four. I have, nor have I. And I am absolutely blown away. I'm laughing out loud. I'm absolutely mesmerized by what I see on the screen. And in hindsight, to be clear, it's not like I've never watched all of it. I've hardly ever watched any of it. Same here. The... Is it so old that it's that it's in uh, four, no. in, in four by three? No. Well, or I don't know about. Well, like I I went like the other the other series that everyone that other everyone says is um, the Wire, right? Uh, and that has been redone to be in sixteen by nine, which is you know our our new yeah. uh, wide thing, but necessarily by doing that. They're chopping off parts of the top and bottom. Uh, yeah, uh, I can't. I didn't notice anything particularly different, except that the uh, introduction and the next episode scenes were what looked like really old footage, but the series itself did not have that. Did not have that effect. There was nothing cinematographically that I looked at that 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 didn't resonate. It was perfect. Yeah, everyone fine. says The Sopranos is one of the one of the better uh, things. Well, I'm gonna continue with that. Um, I so I, uh, I I'm forming a, a a duo. I hope it to be a trio. And the dude who I've talked to you about before, shout out to Steve Pesh, Steve who's Pesh. in uh, Kalamazoo here, who I call the Juke. Because he's got in his head over, well over 200 tunes. Just him, a mic, and a guitar for a lot of it. Then he's got a country band called Dirty Boots that I love. And then I've seen the Steve Pesh band, which was five or six people. Um, but I, uh, he lives on the St. Joe River, which is wide and moves steady, but very wide. Hard to fish it. It's so big. And uh, I've yet to see it at his property, but I named, I offered to him, I don't know that he'll accept it, offered that the name of the band, duo, or trio is Slow River Rising. That's a good name. What do you think? Good name, good name. S Slow River Rising. And the reason is, is because I hope that we will uh, particularly uh, celebrate harmonies, you know, and uh, uh, probably just as much harmonics as harp so that the harp isn't overdone less is more you yes. know with the harp and our uh, harp harmonics our other band which hasn't got a name yet but I'm leaning toward the name fusion that's um, huh no bad Boo. too overused Boo. overused tell me more about uh, 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 tell me more about it I'll, I'll give you a better name like uh, well, it's I, I, I'm pretty sure that won't be the name because the way that it's coming together is it's it's a, a very gifted, uh, talented guitarist. It's a very gifted, talented bass player. 
Uh, it's a drummer who uh, is not only quite good at the drums, but also play, sings and plays the saxophone and I think something else, maybe, and a guitar also. Yeah, but what, what kind uh, of music? Well, it's a good, good That's question. That's all bands. Um, I, I picked several old blues tunes, a couple of new blues tunes, some Watermelon Slim. They pick tunes that uh, range from sur surprising but fun, Leroy Brown, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, it's an old Western tune you may have heard before called There Stands the Glass. So we're going to put some country in there. And... Um, Blue uh, Glass. Sorry. Uh, I was going to go with, like, Blue Onion or something. I don't know, something with blues. Blue Cloud. Hmm. Blue. Do you know what blue, the term blue cloud is used? It's in the song that is the opening song of Sopranos. Blue cloud in your eyes. No. What? Or is it blue moon? Blue moon in <laughs> your eyes. No, it's blue cloud. It's something in this from the sky. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, good. We're you're making sense. Uh, all right. I guess. So you were. I guess we're done here. So uh, because the you got to put in your homework list the entire Sopranos. We need to talk about it. So I've. Uh, huh. I. Because you can't get Kingstown, so yeah. That's, over the weekend, I, the I started this. I started this uh, this show called Behind Her Eyes. Again, it's on Netflix, which is like unavailable to you. Um, which is it's just this interesting uh, female centric. Uh, dating in London show but uh, that I really after the first episode I was like I don't want to watch any more of this but then I started the second one and um, kind of need like I need to watch more uh, but boy I, how long are the Sopranos episodes because that uh a television hour, right? Exactly. Which is well, no television hour. Like that was always that was always HBO. Oh, that's right. Um, so it's not an forty-five hour. minutes. Uh, so it's fifty-two hours of viewing. All right. Well, I'll have that done by so by next, by next week. week. I'll have that done for sure. <laughs> and then we can talk about what uh, what's up with Tony. Tony. Tony, hey, Tony, hey, ah, 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 all right, well, till then, and uh, buy some pasta, and, uh, and some garlic, and some uh, canned tomatoes, and just when you're cutting, when you're cutting up the garlic, use a razor blade directly into the oil. I, I, I then, do that every and, time, and yes. Next, and next episode, you tell me what gangster movie that came from unless you know now that's that's uh goodfellas oh good boom and who was the character 
kind of it's not really Yoda, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, the Yoda, the group who who recently died. Um, yes, Servino's uh, Servino's father is the same Servino. Probably, probably yes, but yeah, some old dude. Yeah, but but yes, and, and so I I literally as I think I have told you. Uh, uh, I literally watched that movie for the first time like a year ago. Really? Like, the first time. And really? it was, yes. Iconic. Iconic. I gotta yeah. go. You think Peace. this is funny? Oh. Sorry. <laughs> do, I hu- do I amuse you? <laughs> do I amuse you? <laughs> uh. Okay, that's it for episode number 205. There are some show notes at happyhour.fm slash 205. And if you join the Patreon at patreon.com slash happyhour, you can see the video of where Dennis realized that I wasn't seeing his live video and he was making faces and uh, obscene gestures and things. See you next week.